We're back to the Neil Haley Show here on the Caregiver Dave Celebrity segment. And I'm excited to welcome the program, Caregiver Dave. Dave, how are you? Awesome. And you know, when I think of this guest, again, I'm, I, I think of his half-brother, but after reading his background, this story today better talk about the man behind the mask in certain ways, but yet is as known as the man behind the mask in this journey. So go ahead and introduce our guest. Entrepreneur, announcer, entertainer, motivational speaker, Bruce Buffer. Welcome to the show, Bruce. Uh, thanks very much, Dave. Thanks, Neil. Well, you both might not know this, but, uh, or maybe you do, but at 28 years old, when Mike Tyson got popular and this debonair James Bond-looking individual came up on the screen as the ring announcer for boxing, saying his famous, let's get ready to rumble phrase, which wasn't even trademarked or as famous back then by any standards it was today. Um, I saw the name on the screen, it said Buffer, and I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> short, it turned out to be my long lost half brother I never knew existed. And four years later, my dad um, got together with him uh, through a fluke, turned out to be his son. He hadn't seen since he was two and a half years old. And I began managing Michael's career four years after we met. And I sold two very, very successful companies. I was burned out. I rolled the dice. I said, I'm going to make you richer, more famous than you ever dreamed. I need to be your manager and your partner. I want to be an announcer. We agreed I wouldn't announce boxing. We agreed I wouldn't be a conflict of interest. So don't worry, something else will come along. And bottom line, we got together and I trademarked the phrase and I said, I have toys and video games, everything I want to make. He said, how are you going to do all this? I said, I don't know. I said, but if I'm going to give all this up, you better believe, you know, I'm going to make it happen. And it's been an amazing 28, 30 year romp with an amazing guy, Michael Buffer. And of course, we all know that eventually I became the announcer for the UFC. So Everything is going according to schedule, as I say in England. Yes, you see, Bruce, and that's the point that we have to make is, uh, I, I'm, I'm, again, when I saw this name, I said, oh, my gosh, Buffer. I never knew that backstory. But ultimately, if you're a UFC fan, people know who Bruce Buffer is because UFC is the world's most uh, watched sport almost, and people are so into it. And uh, so you never would have thought. So I'm going to ask the first question. Before meeting Michael, you never would have thought in your wildest dreams you'd be where you are today. No, um, I wanted to be an actor as a kid and I studied acting and stuff like that. But I had my first corporation when I was 19. And I stopped going to college after two years because I was doing during the day what they're teaching you at night. I was learning at night school. And um, basically, you know, college teaches knowledge. It doesn't teach application. I decided to go out on the street, get the street smart downs, do it. I owned a numerous different companies. I had I was the Wolf of LA and respected telemarketing, doing it legally, not like the guy in the movie. <laughs> I own a number of telemarketing companies, intellectual companies, security company. I can go on and on and on. And um, very successful in many different areas, but I did not find my true passion and my true calling until I was in my late, my late 30s. And that's when I met Michael at 29 and four years later started managing him and I became an announcer at 37, which strangely enough is exactly almost to the T the same age Michael was when he was Wow. Wow. Fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. So you're, you're such a showman. How did that begin? I mean, well, was it, was it your brother it literally started when you met your brother? No, no, no. I can't say that. Honestly. I can say that enhanced it. And it certainly caused my passion to want to become a ring announcer. Cause like people look at me today, you know, I have tuxedos specially made. I'm known for the jackets. <laughs> it's almost become a curse that I have to almost have a new jacket every show to please the audience. But at the same time, it's so much fun, but I saw this, I love the way Michael dressed and you figured he traveled the world and he met the most beautiful women in the world and he saw the most exciting things in the world and all that was true. And I thought, what a great life, you know? 
And uh, but before that, I was doing motivational speaking. And I'd, I'd run companies with 150 employees, and I'm constantly motivating people and teaching people how to better themselves. And I'm a brander and a marketer first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And that's what I saw in Michael when I saw in that five-word phrase. That's what I saw in the UFC 25 years ago when I started with them. And um, they were the fastest growing pay-per-view on TV. And then suddenly John McCain, with all respect to the great John McCain, he shut us down by calling us human cockfighting. And, and we were oh dropping demand and we lost a huge TV audience. What kept us alive was the loyal fans and the internet. But then Dana White and the Fertitas bought the UFC and boom, we <laughs> became the fastest growing sport, um, the, the largest fighting sporting event in the world internationally. I mean, I can't even walk down the streets of Brazil anymore. It's just <laughs> so popular and so wonderfully popular. But I saw this was going to happen. It was raw. It was a spectacle when I got involved. They refined it. They added the rules. And now it's the greatest fighting sport with the greatest fighting athletes in the world. And in the words of Charles Barkley, who took me two years to get into a show, and the first time he did, the next day he said, Buff, those are the finest conditioned athletes in the world. Wow. And, and it's just, again, that growth and that process. So you made the prediction. Talk to me off air. As the marketing genius, and I call you a pitch man, you should have been one of the pitch men as well on different things because you learned to pitch. And I'm glad to hear that you own telemarketing companies. And you, as an entrepreneur, it took a long time to finally hit it as everyone else hits it you, you, to the level you are today. That, that's what you need to t teach entrepreneurs is you keep on going till finally that opportunity comes to you, whatever it is. But you learn from that process and marketing, all that stuff, understanding when you're pitching something as a telemarketer, when you're doing you know, coaching or teaching somebody, you have to have that, that thing that motivates them to make them understand, to tell the story. So you just felt that in branding with UFC, right? You said 25 years ago, you made this prediction. So tell us how you, uh, how you just thought this is going to be it. Well, again, we get back to um, the foresight it takes to be a marketer, to see this happening. And again, Michael hadn't even made a t-shirt or a hat with Let's Get Ready to Rumble. It wasn't even trademarked properly. He trademarked it after I pushed him and it wasn't done properly. It could have been taken from him. So I had to take it, refine it, and the video games, the toys, everything you see was all my work as his partner and as his manager to make that happen. And the UFC, I saw the chance for this brand to become what it was. And that's why um, I worked so hard to get the job to be the announcer. I told him, I said, I have the media contacts. You don't even have the contacts I have to bring attention to this brand, to put it on Jay Leno, to put it on the Today Show, to put it on Jimmy Kimmel, all this kind of stuff. And I said, but I need to grow with you as the announcer and perfect my art. And in turn, I will do so much more for you than just being an announcer to help build this brand, which I did. And I take great pride and I didn't ask for any money. I just believed in it. I took the short money in the beginning. And that's what entrepreneurs need to understand. I, before the UFC, before I do what I did today, I was very successful. I mean, I, I made my million dollar mark. I did all that. I'd lost it, made it again, lost it, made it again. <laughs> that's what entrepreneurs do. Yep. And eventually you realize that it's time to keep it. <laughs> <laughs> But when you get knocked down, it's like Rocky said, you've got to get up and move forward and punch harder than ever. That's why when I teach branding and marketing to companies and individuals, I follow a theory of called BSC. It's called balls, skill, and confidence. And if you're lacking any one of those three, do not sit down at the blackjack table. Do not sit down on that path to your goal. Get the BSC in place. You need a 20% luck and time factor to make things work. It always enters into the picture. I'm a big poker player, and I'm a damn good one. 
there are better ones out there. But either, no matter how good you are, it all comes down to that little 20% luck factor when you go all in. Is that is that 2% card going to come out on the river and ruin your life? You never know, right? But you push and you, you, you focus. But the big thing is, and I tell people, recognize your passion. Yes. Then monetize your passion. Because I live a lifestyle. I, I run probably 10 different companies. When you look at everything I do between Michael's brand and my brand, even down to our release, my release, and my partner's release of Puncher's Chance Bourbon, which I'm sure we'll talk about on the show. <laughs> yes. Um, doing all this and doing all that, all businesses made to me, it's just the product that's different. But I wake up every day, I look in the mirror, and my saying is, it's time. And before I ever said that, when I shaved, I'd slap my face. It's time to have the best day possible. I don't live on my laurels. I won't talk about how good I did a show last week. I'll talk about the show I have this Saturday where I have to prove to the owners, myself, and the fans, and the fighters that I deserve this job. The moment you sit on your laurels, the moment you start talking about the past and the presence of today, you're missing the point. You're only as good as you are today. So if you're passionate about it and you wake up, you are not going to work. I live a lifestyle. I don't go to work. I'm 24-7 working all day long. Why? Because I was able to monetize my passions. And that's my lifestyle. I wish everybody that kind of luck to do that. But as it comes down to 90, everybody dreams, 98% people dream, but 2% put into action. And those are the top of the pyramid. But the people on the bottom that make up the base are just as important. And you've got to treat them as such and equal with respect. Everybody is equal with respect in my book. Because if that bottom gets weak, the whole thing falls down. That's great. Everybody deserves 100% respect, 100% attention. I just don't like assholes. And they come in all different shapes and colors. <laughs> now, you didn't become a, an announcer readily. I mean, you had to work at it. You had to talk to a few different people. Tell that story of how you eventually got to the uh, UFC. Well, what happened was Michael and I agreed that uh, I wouldn't do announcing, which I wanted to. And the only announcing I did ever before the UFC, aside from my work on stage and being in front of large groups of people doing motivational speaking and such, um, was a kickboxing event where I brought my tuxedo as Michael's manager. We went out to Kellogg, Michigan, did an event. Uh, Michael said, bring your tuxedo. Let's cut the teeth, get, a, get, a, get an announcement in. I said, fine. So I went up, I announced this guy, and he won. And he came up to me after the fight. I'll never forget. He goes, Bruce, thank you so much for the announcement. But I've been waiting two months to hear your brother say my voice. <laughs> your brother's voice say my name. <laughs> I felt so bad for the guy. But it was all good. And then when the UFC came on the scene, uh, my job as Michael's manager was to get him in all the big events. Well, the UFC was the fastest growing pay-per-view back then, and it was only the sixth show. I cold called them. I got Michael the biggest payday ever for a fight announcement, wow. with the exception of his work in WCW, which was a huge contract. And back in the days of Hulk Hogan and Sting, when WCW was the wrestling show to watch. Yes. Um, and I remember when he went to do the UFC, they said, well, when you get in the octagon, you want to say, if it's not in the octagon, it's not real. Well, back then, w, w, WCW wanted you to think that when Hulk Hogan punched you 25, 20 times in the face, 25 times in the face, it was real. No, it's not real. Your face would be mashed potatoes, okay? This is a tough job. And I have all the respect in the world for wrestlers. They do an amazing job. They're tough. <clears throat> but I got a call that Monday. I knew it was going to happen. WCW, what are you doing? What are you doing with Brute Michael and the UFC? And blah, 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 blah. I go, look, his contract says he can do this. So shut up, number one. Okay, politely. Just please be quiet. Number two. I have a three-fight deal. Well, you need to make a decision. It's either us or it's UFC. Okay, I made the decision. It's you. But he has a three-fight contract. He's going to fulfill the three-fight contract. Everything will be fine. Great. Thank you, Bruce. Great. Thank you, WCW. We had a great time with them. Now I go to the UFC, and I'm like, that's his last show. 
Now you need a buffer in the octagon. I'm the guy, right? And just like I told you earlier, you need to hire me. I need to grow with the show. It fell on deaf ears. They wouldn't hire me, Come on. right? I go to New York on business. I'm doing a, a, a trade show. I go over to their offices, take them out to lunch, buy them drinks. Great, great drinks. Great. <laughs> Nothing's happening. <laughs> so then I get a, a tape from a monster in Minnesota named Scott the Pitbull Ferrazzo, like 6'1", 340 pounds, arms down to his ankles. I mean, totally Neanderthal, right? <laughs> great guy, great guy. And he's the kind of fighter they want, the kind that gets off the bar stool back then, not the skilled, super skilled fighters we have today, but just the total monster. Got him in, UFC 6, buy, excuse me, UFC 8, buy him on Puerto Rico, February 16th, 1995, or 96 rather. Go down with him as his manager because they fly me down. I had this all pre-planned, guys. Put the tuxedo in the bag, called the owner up, said, look, I'm coming down with my fighter. Let me announce the prelims. Let me show you what I got. I'll think about it. Go to the party night before. Okay, Buff, you can go in and you can announce. I go in and announce, think I do a good job, look at it today. I want to go like this because we all have to evolve. But, you know, I got out there and did it. Call back for the job because, again, for entrepreneurs watching this, you don't get anything in life if you don't do two things. If you don't first write it down, if you don't write it down, it's not going to happen. Number two, you got to ask for the job. You always got to ask for the job. If you don't ask for a way for people to come to you, well, hey, go sit in the sidelines because that's probably where you're going to be the rest of your life, okay, to some extent. I kept asking for the job and asking for the job. Finally, I'm in the hospital with my mother. She just had a serious operation. It's like a scene out of Rocky when his wife, Talia Shire, you know, she's in a coma, she's pregnant, he can't train um, unless he has a blessing of his wife. Here's my mom, the most important woman, and still to me to this day in the world, God bless her, she just turned 92 last week. Uh, and um, I get a phone call in the room. This is right out of a movie, okay? And it's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Bruce, um, the announcer, uh, Rich Gimon Goins' uncle died. He has to go to the funeral. We need you in Alabama in two days to announce UFC 10. You can do the whole show. Are you kidding? Really? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I call you right back. I'm in the hospital with my mom. I call you right back. I hang up the phone. My mom looks at me and she says, that's the call you've been waiting for, isn't it? Yeah. I said, yeah, mom. They want me there in two days in Alabama. She looked at me. I might get tears right now saying this. <clears throat> she goes, go. You've got to go. Like that. Boom, I'm hearing, dun, 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 you know what, the whole, the whole montage is starting to happen, right? And I get down to Alabama, I do the show, I think I do a good job, I come back, I ask for the job, I don't get it, I hire somebody else, a friend of the producer, right? Huh. Oh, great, okay, now another six months go by, I get a phone call, and they say, Warner Brothers on the TV show Friends is doing the Ultimate Fighting Champion, they want a real announcer, they're sending somebody over to pick up tape and audio from you, if that's okay, they'd like you to co-star as yourself on the show. Okay. Do you want to be on the show? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so they send the guy down, the runner picks him up. I get a call that night, be on the set at five 30 in the morning, rehearse all day. You've got the job. You're going to co-star as yourself, Bruce Buffer on the biggest comedy on TV. I call the owner. I say, look, I got to meet you for lunch. You're going to be on the set. I said, yeah, I met him. I said, look, I feel like a girl that's waiting to be asked to the prom, but the prom has been going on too long. It's now a year and a half. I'm going to ask it one more time. I'm going to tell you right now, I will help you build this brand. You will not just have an announcer. You'll have somebody you've never worked with before in your life, a teammate. That's how I am with everybody I work with. I'm tenacious. I'm an animal. And um, they said, yes, right? I said, this is the biggest show on TV. People are going to think I'm your announcer. I'm co-starring as myself. Stop screwing around. I might have said it differently. And uh, let's make a deal. That was the best poker hand I ever played in my life. I've announced every show. <laughs> for 18, 19 years until they had 40 plus shows a year and they had to bring on a, a backup to fill in for me a half dozen times because I couldn't be everywhere. One time I did a show in New Jersey and I had to be in Be Belo Horizonte, Brazil, 
18 hours later in the octagon in a fresh tuxedo. Dana White flew me down on his private jet. I did two shows and two hemispheres and started them both in the same day. It was my almost famous moment. I felt like a rock star. I mean, I can tell you so many different stories growing with this organization. But thankfully, Dana White and Fertitta Brothers are the ones that made it. And now we've been bought out by the biggest media company in the world, WME, who paid $4.2 billion, which is the largest wow. paid for a sports franchise in America. If that's not a success story, I don't know what is. Not just mine, the UFC. Congratulations. So, Bruce, talk about how you help them behind the scenes. Because you're the marketing genius. I heard one wrestling promoter told me I'm a marketing genius. Well, that closed very quickly. But I really consider you a marketing genius. What From the things you learned, you dug your teeth, as I said before. You really hung in there learning the telemarketing game, learning all those different things, and knowing what, thinking what people think. That's what marketing's all about. You have to think of your audience. And you saw the UFC had a tremendous audience that could grow exponentially because it's a very, very exciting sport. Much better than boxing because it's not boring. Real And the, the glitz, the glamour, everything that's needed. How did you help behind the scenes to help grow UFC? Well, I'll give you one example. This is an example of many examples. And um, the UFC... I, I used to call ESPN and talk to ESPN. No, we're scared of the name, Ultimate Fighting Championship. Well, now they just gave the UFC like $4 billion, right? <laughs> so what was then is not what is now, as they say. Back then, 25 years ago, the name scared them. Now they, they are the sole uh, TV provider for the UFC. It's amazing how things happen. Previous to them, it was Fox. They couldn't even get on regular TV, except on the pay-per-views. We went from 250,000 buys down to 16,000 buys when we lost in demand. Suddenly we're trying to scratch back up again. I got myself on a show on Fox Sports called The Best Damn Sports Show, if you remember that. I had Tom Arnold on my show a couple yes, of weeks. Yes, I know Tom, too, all those guys. I was on the show with my brother. I got him on. Then they brought me on. When they brought me on, I brought on a very popular fighter that was the face of the UFC back then named Tito Ortiz. I called Tito through his manager, who back then, used uh, at that time, previous, was Dana White. Okay, But he had another Dana White used to manage Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell before he became the owner of the UFC. So I got Tito on the show. We're in the green room. And uh, George, uh, a man of George was there, who's the head of Fox. And we're talking to George Greenberg. And George says to me, have you ever been, um, when you come to LA, let us know and we'll cover the show. I said, well, we're not legal in California. So why don't you do something better, George? Why don't you do something nobody's ever done? Why don't you be the first one to show a live UFC fight on network TV? Well, how can I do that? I said, I'll make a phone call. I'll set up a conference call between Lorenzo Fertitta, Dana White, and you. Let's go to them with that idea. And you cover it in another city. And you show, you'd be the first one to show it on live TV. And, and what do you think about that? He goes, that's a brilliant idea. Great. <laughs> the call. They make the call. About two months later, they created a show called UFC 37 and a half, right? Maggio <laughs> Hotel in the ballroom just for this. And they put it on during sweeps week and it got the highest ratings, like amazing ratings. So boom, now everybody saw it on free TV. It's <laughs> an example that would not have happened if I didn't step forward and quote, right. ask. Okay. There's an example right there. That's impressive. Same thing with, Jay Same thing with right. Jimmy. I got Tito Ortiz on Jay Leno. I didn't just get him on Jay Leno. I got him to sit on the couch because of my contacts there who I'd had Michael on the show many times, you know, huh. that's called being a team player. And that's an example. Two-part question for you. Uh, who's the favorite uh, fighter that you've ever announced? And who's the best fighter that you've ever seen? 
two of the hardest questions in the world for me to answer. <laughs> I've won thousands of fights and thousands of fighters um, to whatever extent. But I will, I can give you examples, but I can't give you the person. Sure, sure. There have been so many incredible fights in the UFC. And every night I think is the best fight I've ever seen. Two months later, it happens again. <laughs> That's the nature of this fighting. It's being so exciting, so incredible. Great fighters, you know, Chuck Liddell, George St. Pierre, Anderson Silva. These are just amazing fighters. You know, everybody loves, well, half people love Conor McGregor, half people don't. But you know what? Everybody watches Conor I love McGregor. Conor McGregor, yeah. Yeah, he's a great fighter, you know, and he brings so much of the it factor, so much of the pizzazz to the show. Um, there's just so many. That's the beauty of it. Because here's the thing, guys. Personalities drive sports, okay? And, and in fighting, a single-man sport really drives sports. So, like when Magic and Bird and Jordan retired from the NBA in, in around 98, I kind of lost interest in the NBA because it wasn't the personalities driving the sport for me, right? LeBron brings it back up for me today, amongst others, as Kobe did when he was alive. Um, in boxing, they're all looking for the biggest, baddest heavyweight, which drives the sport. That's why Tyson's back. <laughs> Exactly, you know that kind of thing, and um, all the things like the days of Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali, you know, Muhammad Ali put boxing back on the map. Occasionally, every four to six years, give or take, a fighter, an athlete, will come along with the it factor. You know, in in UFC, Ronda Rousey had the it factor. She brought women's fighting on the map, and the women are amazing to watch. This Saturday, we've got two women's fights. They're going to be off the hook, um, and they're so highly skilled. You know, and then you look back and Tyson brought back boxing, you know, and, and on and on and on. You yeah. need that it factor, but you never, in marketing, you never build your brand around one face. That's the worst mistake you can make. UFC did that with Tito Ortiz. They learned a lesson, even though they didn't well. You, you spread it out, not just one, not just one. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. That's why pro wrestling is hurting now. Attitude Era made it the big thing that helped beat WCW or the, the, the characters, the talent between Austin and The Rock, DX, that's what took WCW down, the great characters, the great brand. And it was not just one person. Hogan was the 80s, but if without Andre. So you kind of talk about sports or sports entertainment. But do you feel that UFC has a great ability to brand fighters? Yes, without question. Absolutely. But we do 42 shows a year, you know, and the loyal fans to keep watching, keep track of it. It's not like the old days when we had six or 10 shows and it was easier to follow the Randy Couture's and the Tito Ortiz's of this world. You're, the fans eat, live, and breathe UFC. They're amazing fans. They love UFC. As a matter of fact, Fox did a study, and over 75% of males, uh, 18 to 34 in the United States, are fans of the UFC and a very large percentage of females. They come, girls will come three, four, two in a bunch. Uh, by themselves, know the, know the moves, know the fighters' names. I mean, they're really into it. It's amazing. So tell me about the buffer bow and who is worthy to receive it. <laughs> I did the buffer bow one time for the great Randy Couture. Um, he did so much for the sport, a three-time champion, won the heavyweight championship, I think, when he was 42 back again. And I was with him in an airport two weeks before his last fight, and he said to me, um, you know, Buff, I don't know if I'm going to do any more fights. This could be my last fight, right? And he had such a long, glorious career that – at that moment when I was announcing him, and I never know what I'm going to do because I never rehearse. I don't stand still when I work. I move. I jump. I turn. You know, I, I get in the fighters' faces. I mean, I just – it's whatever I'm feeling at the moment, and the fighters welcome me into their space, which is amazing because they could easily pop me and say, get that. <laughs> um, 
But at that moment, I thought, you know, when I watch the old Errol Flynn movies and goes to see the Queen or the King and in any of the night movies, they bow, right? Well, Dan, Randy Couture to me was mixed martial arts UFC royalty. So I said his name, got on one knee and bowed to him. And I've never done that for any other fighter. And no fighter currently today deserves a bow anyway. They have a lot more to prove to me. Wow. Interesting. And to be honest with you, this is the funny thing. Because I'm a pro wrestler. I'm not a huge UFC fan. I mean, I love the, the documentary on Conor McGregor. I love watching fighting and same with boxing. But I don't follow Bruce. So now, where do you see if UFC keeps growing? Comparing you and Michael. Now, would you ever have thought this, managing him for so many years, that you might be catching up to that name? Well, it's not a matter of catch up because I've never had that kind of an ego-driven thing. I understand your question. Um, and I don't, I can't comment on who's more popular. I mean, I get people calling me legend all the time and how USC's a popular and you're the greatest announcer in the world. And I, I, I appreciate all those kind words. I do, but I, I would never, you would never hear me talk about like that. My brother's legendary in my mind and the greatest announcer of all time. And he set the pace for ring announcing. Yes, yes. When I got into this position um, of announcing, I never wanted to be Frank Sinatra Jr. I could have copied my brother, you know, and done the whole bit. I have my own style. And I told myself in those first two to three years, if I didn't develop my own style and truly love what I do, I was going to quit. Right. I, I can make plenty of money doing other things. I'm either going to keep my passion and make it work, but I want to be recognized for Bruce Buffer and the great words of Frank Sinatra do it my way. Okay. And one writer put it like this. He said, Michael Buffer is like a fine bottle of Bordeaux and I'm like a shot of Jack Daniels. And I love that. I love that difference. And my brother and I, we recognize each other. We support each other. Um, it's not a matter of who's more popular, who's this or that. Popularity wise, the UFC is more popular than boxing. In, all over the world boxing there's two or three incredible fights a year that everybody tunes into but for the most part it's not where it was 10 years ago but it's still very popular especially in europe huge ufc all over the place huge well you be the judge but i'm not concerned about being the most popular guy i'm just concerned about being respected for what i do being recognized for my ability to be the best at what i do for what i do and um give everybody a, a performance i'm not an announcer i'm a performer yeah, and a lot of people are asking you to do weddings and baby uh, showers and uh, voicemails. Uh, that was Mike. Was that your idea, Bruce? What you did with Michael to really yeah. worry how much you would get paid just to go? Let's get ready to rumble. And that tag phrase and making sure he, different events he did and different things where he would just show up to do that and then leave. Right? It was all. It was That's such all. a genius idea. No one else really did that before. You came up with that. And he's just so damn good at it. And, you know, I do the same thing. Obviously, we're not doing appearances now like we used to. I go to UFC on Friday. I get uh, tested for COVID and then quarantine for 30, uh, 24 hours. And I do the show and come home. It's not the glorious, glamorous days it used to be, but it's, you know, it's okay. And I announced empty audiences, but I still give it my all as if 50,000 are in the arena. It's just me and the eye of the tiger. Um, you know, I do those recordings. I, I did a thing at Christmas two years ago where I would do championship recordings, introducing like a champion in the cage. And I did it for a Christmas thing and we got a ton of orders and I was going to stop it and give partial proceeds to animal children and military charities. But the orders kept coming in. It's turned into a huge business. So now wow. you can go to brucebuffer.com. You get a championship introduction. You know, I, weddings. I get so many requests for weddings, the birth of babies. <laughs> Businesses wanting me to promote their products. And that's a whole nother thing. 
Um, even on cameo.com, that site where people do videos, tons of orders come in through there. We live in a virtual world now, gentlemen, just like we're doing right now. And people need entertainment. And I want to give out as much positive energy as possible to help people and motivate people during these tough times we're all going in. People are losing their jobs, they're going through tough times, they're getting sick, all these things happening. I feel very blessed that I'm doing as well as I'm doing, but I'm trying to help and pay it forward as much as I can to stay blessed and stay busy. And um, that's what we do at BruceBuffer.com. We get it done. Bruce, I, know you, I know you know Evander Holyfield. Uh, I've heard you speak about him. I just met him about three weeks ago at an event that I spoke at. We both shared the same stage. And I, I called him and I said, Evander, uh, tell me about when, when Mike bit off your ear. And he started laughing. He says, yeah, Mike knew he was losing. He said uh, he, he lost his temper. And uh, he showed me a little piece of ear that was missing. Uh, that was great drama for boxing, wasn't it? It was great drama, but it was also horrific at the same time. And, you know, we've had, whether it's, you know, the antics of Conor McGregor, you know, in the public or the the brawl between him and Habib, which when Habib lost his mind, you know, after that, just came to an edge. Well, it ruined Mike's career, at least temporarily. I mean, when you bite off somebody's ear, I mean, that's... (laughs) And headbutts. Being worn twice. I'm a martial artist, so I've been on butts my whole life. But you know, biting on somebody's ear is a pretty primal way of winning a fight. <laughs> so tell us all the projects, Bruce. I want to know them all. I love where you show all the different things. Why you're on this show, and it's an honor to have you on the show. And again, I now have to start becoming more of a USC fan. If you knew how busy I am as an entrepreneur, Bruce. I'm going, 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 and another opportunity comes. And that's how I've learned it and, and breathed it. And wrestling has taught me how to brand because you learn it from professional wrestling. You know, right. I'm a legitimate 6'10". I touted myself as a seven-footer, and I would go and wrestle <laughs> the main big names in the 80s just on little house, little towns, because they put that up there. And it taught me, well, you know what? You got to be the giant in marketing. You have to be, you have to be different and bigger than life and larger in life. And that's what the UFC is larger than life. What about all the products that you promote and what are your latest projects? Well, kudos to you. I didn't realize you're that tall of a guy or bigger of a guy. <laughs> you're getting back to rest. Maybe you could do something for him. <laughs> well, we all have a certain age limit before you <laughs> Even though I had 63, I would still go for it if I had to. Um, you know, the bottom line is, is that in wrestling, it's not how you wrestle, it's your personality in the interviews. That's Hulk Hogan's not a great wrestler. We all know that, but his interviews are incredible, you know, and his antics in the ring are incredible. So getting back to an earlier question, but the biggest product right now, I'm coming out with my own line of cologne and facial products and energy products internationally all over the world. The first quarter of next year, the It's Time line of products. I, I have the top company that distributed Brut uh, products all around the world that's making those incredible. Wow. It's, it's unbelievable. It's so good. So I'm working on that, but right now, uh, in August and September in eight states, we've come out with Puncher's Chance. Uh, my partners and I, my brilliant partners, Umberto and Brad, marketing extraordinaires. Umberto, the designing of the bottle. This bottle is made in France. When it's filled, it weighs four to five pounds. Okay, wow. it's an collector's item in itself. And Puncher's Chance, this is the finest Kentucky bourbon from Kentucky on the market today. It's 90 proof, higher than Maker's Marker Bullet. Not that that's the mark of a fine brand, but the the flavor, everything has been made and they got with the top distiller in Kentucky. And we have hundreds of thousands of cases ready to go over the next five years. But so far out of the gate, the first allocation, boom, 
done, gone. Second allocation, waiting to be delivered, boom, already ordered, gone. This is a huge hit out of the gate because the taste, the flavor, the bottle, everything is amazing. It's available in about 100 stores in Kentucky. It's in Florida. It's in Texas now, uh, Wisconsin, um, California next week. And again, there'll be a website. But pay attention to my Instagram, which is at Bruce Buffer UFC for all the announcements. Very, very excited about this. Very, very excited. It's one of, we've been working on this for over a year. I had a great partnership with the people involved with this, and it's just a huge hit. And if you like bourbon, well, there's <laughs> you, how'd you come up with the name? Uh, Umberto and Brad, my partners. Puncher's Chance is all about how one punch can change the course of your entire life. It's all about the underdog. <laughs> I've been an underdog my entire life and reign supreme, as well as the failures that have happened too, because you have to know what it's like to fail before you can know what it's like to succeed. Amen you know? to that. Wow. So that's my, big, that's my big project now. Um, there's so many we're working on, but I come from the school of if the deal's not signed, the product's not on the shelf, don't talk about it and don't sell from an empty shelf. A born entrepreneur. When are you going to write a book or you have written a book? I have written a book. Random House published my biography eight years ago or so. It's called It's Time. Um, very uh, successful. I got five-star reviews from the New York Times. <clears throat> so proud of that book. My dad was a writer. I used to, uh, I used to proofread his books and screenplays. Uh, during his writing period in his life. And um, with that being said, I wish he was alive. My book got published. That would just be, that would have been a great for me. But um, I'm going to write another one. And there's uh, there's a lot of stuff going on, guys. But again, I don't yeah. talk. I can't say it until it's the deal signed. But I understand what I was saying, Bruce, is you could teach a lot of people entrepreneurship. From, sure. You, from, I, do, I do it now. I do coaching. I do all that stuff when I have the time. You know, they again, through BruceBuffer.com, they can order 15-minute segments of coaching all they want. That's great. Okay, Dave, his final question is from Dave, and Dave has a caregiving question, and I think I understand part of the answer because of your love for your mother and that story, but Dave, that's why we call him Caregiver Dave. So Dave, go ahead and tell the story because I think Bruce will really enjoy learning it. Well, I, I admire your devotion to your mother, first of all, and uh, I know you probably worry about one day you may need to step in there and uh, be your caregiver. You know, one little fall, like one big punch, can change your life. Um, my wife had a stroke about 24 years ago, lost her speech, became paralyzed, and it changed our lives. A couple of years just struggling, but we reinvented ourselves, and now I help other caregivers all around the world. 30% um, of them die from, their, from the stress, and so I, I help them to stay alive, help them stay out of the hospital. Started a membership website, caregiverdave.com, and uh, my question to you is, uh, other than your mother, what other experience uh, did you have? in caregiving? Well, my dad, the last four years of his life was not easy. Mm. The last two years. And um, I was there whenever needed, staying overnight. I, my dad was a combination of Steve McQueen, Errol Flynn, and John Wayne all rolled up in a wow. wow. He got me into more fights and introduced me to more girls than any best friend I ever had. I'm a Marine for 13 years, Korea, World War II. Um, wow. A drill, drill instructor at Camp Pendleton. I used to walk in a room as a kid and say, hi, dad. He goes, son. Project your voice, shoulders back, chest out. <laughs> you, know, you know, but it helped, right? I love that man. I hated him at times, but I loved him. You know, the father, we had an amazing, amazing relationship. It's all in my book. My book is just not about UFC. It's about father-son, father-son relationship. And one chapter in there about my dad, I'll, I cry every time I read it because it breaks back times. God bless you and your wife. It's amazing you did that. I have so much respect for you. Um, it's a hard, it's a hard road at times and an honorable road, but to answer your question, yes, I performed caregiving duties as my brother Brian did, 
uh, for my dad. And, you know, that amazing tough man, you know, in the end had to be lifted to do certain things mm. until the time came. Thank God he went to sleep. My mother's 92. She's amazing. Her lung collapsed from pneumonia five years ago. The doctors called me in and said, we want to give your mother morphine. She's lung collapsed. It'll never come back. Um, she's going to die. We're going to, you know, we, we're just going to let you know this. I go, no, you don't put morphine in my mom. She will die in five days. Don't you dare do that. I got her home in hospice. Two months later, they graduated out of hospice. The lung came back. The doctor said would never come back. Right. A fighter. Fighter. Yeah. <laughs> I sent the uh, pictures to the doctor before and after with looking at her lung. And I said, thank you. But look before you leap next time. Look before you leap. And, um, with that being said, I have a team of three caregivers that take care of my mother 24-7 because I have to travel. Sure. I bought a house for her that's down the street from my house uh, before I bought this house, and I bought this house to be near her. So I can be here in a moment's call, not an hour away. And um, I have a great team of caregivers, loving caregivers, and um, they take care of my mom, and I take care of the caregivers. And the reason I don't have one, I used to have one seven days a week, and you know what problems can happen with caregivers. Sure. I've been stoned. I, I, she's been abused, all that kind of oh. stuff, you know, live and learn. Right. Yeah. So now I spell them. I don't want them to wear out. I don't want them to get sick. And now we're in a time of COVID where they're going home and coming back. there's so much to watch after. Got to do what you got to do. But you know what? We started in diapers and we end in diapers and people have to understand that your parents become your children. Yeah. Well, what did your father die of? Uh, his heart just gave way. He died in his sleep. Um, you know, it was just, just there. It was getting that time the family. Well, God bless you and what you do for your parents. Uh, your good son. My dad was 83 and my mother's 92. Well, Bruce, we appreciate you coming by. Uh, now I will have to, again, I'm such a huge, I'm a mark of Michael Buffer, but I think every professional wrestler would tell you that if you ran into talk to every one of them, they oh, would yeah. say no doubt, think of Madison square garden. Let's get it ready to rumble <laughs> somewhere as a pro wrestler. And it's amazing what you've done, Bruce. But again, I look at the guy who's behind the scenes that created the brand to the level it's today. Now helped with the process of growing UFC. And wow. And you're going to be part of that whole journey of that continued growth. So congrats. And uh, thanks for stopping by. But uh, Neil, before we let him go, we need to uh, have him indulge us. Just let me hear that. It's time. One last time. <laughs> What's the proper name of your show? Oh, so bro, you could just say the Neil Haley show, but we'll do it. Neil Haley show. Uh, okay, okay, I got to give Dave some, some stuff here. Uh, caregiver Dave. And now it's time. This is the moment you've all been waiting for presenting the great Dave Nassani and the warrior Neil Haley on the Neil Haley Show. And you even pronounced it correctly. My okay. gosh, a real professional. He's awesome. And see, see Dave, that's something he needs to be coming someday <laughs> uh, to work with Flint. Because that's, an exactly. that's another, what, meaning he is just the guy when it calls. You are the pitch guy. I'll tell you that. And the announcer. And I've learned, I was scared of a microphone for 10 years when I was a pro wrestler. Had no mic work at all. After you do 6,000 shows in radio and television, it's, it's simple and easy. I could talk all day long and do voiceovers, but never did the announcing thing. Who knows? Uh, as big as I am, you can tell I have a big voice, but that's impressive, Bruce, oh. and I appreciate it. Now, now, I have permission to repurpose that, right? 
Yes, uh, he does. Yeah, you <laughs> Thank you so much. Bruce yeah. is awesome. Hey, that would have cost you a lot, Dave. But yeah. <laughs> a freebie. We're, we're inundated every day with uh, video and audio intro orders from podcasts and radio shows around the country, around the world, actually. You know, again, through BruceBuffer.com, I have to see. Fun, fun. ABC, 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 right? What does ABC mean, guys? Come on, give it to me. Oh, tell Always us. Always be closing. Remember? Always be closing. Gary um, Ross, I have a close Ross. for you once I get off the line with you, Bruce. So stay on for two seconds. But I appreciate we'll say goodbye to this show. But Bruce is the constant professional, always on. And that's what an entrepreneur needs to be, always on, regardless of what time of day it is. So I appreciate you guys all stopping by. And that was the Caregiver Dave celebrity segment. Everyone. Take care.